0: The Chargers were big winners on day one of free agency, but they were quiet on day two with some big holes left at right tackle, right guard, and linebacker, and we have some players still on the market. The Chargers could target at those positions on today's Locked on Chargers podcast. You are Locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogemeyer. Thank you guys for checking out today's show. We've been covering the charge for over six seasons. This is our fifth season as a host of the Locked On Chargers Podcast, bringing you your team every day and in any of our six seasons we never put up the numbers that we did on yesterday's podcast on youtube and on apple podcast spotify all platforms We're available on all platforms thank you guys for that with that big news and free agency you guys made us our most downloaded show of all time we appreciate you guys thank you for making us your first listen and to make sure you never miss a show subscribe on the locked on Chargers youtube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from but Free agency is really just beginning, and I know a lot of Charger fans probably got greedy after day one and were wondering why the Chargers were so quiet on day two, but they made their big swings, right? And now it's about finding value players to fill in the cracks because we know the Chargers still have some big needs. So we're going to talk about all the big needs and then focus in specifically on the giant needs at right tackle and some free agent options that are still out there and would be upgrades over Storm Norton. And then we'll get into right guard and linebacker because we still don't know what's going to happen with Kazir White yet. Bobby Wagner, anybody? And then at the end of the show, we'll talk about Brian Bulaga, the release there, what that does for the Chargers and the salary cap situation they have, and how much space they have left to spend, and also get into the Chargers re signing Chase Daniel to back up Justin Herbert once again. But David, we know the Chargers have big needs, right? I mean, we still know, even with the moves, and we loved the moves. Don't get us wrong. This is not a panic podcast. Why are the Chargers not these other positions? They signed two of their biggest, I mean, really their three biggest impact kind of players that they were going to get, edge, defensive tackle, cornerback, all on the defensive side. The Chargers addressed all of those. That's a great start. But then you still leave, you know, right tackle, right guard, tight end you could throw in there, RB2 with the uncertainty around Justin Jackson and maybe wanting to bring in a new kind of player behind Austin Eckler. And also with the need you have at linebacker because your line was easily the best linebacker and he might still be the best option for them. But David, the point is, even with the big moves, the Chargers still have some holes left, and you want to fill as many of those as you can before the draft.
1: Yeah, you, you definitely do. Uh, I think you feel really good about the moves that the Chargers made already. I mean, they saw the big pain points that happened on the defense. A guy who can turn the football over, a guy who can command the number one wide receiver on any team and shut him down, a guy who's going to get after the quarterback and impact against the run with a Khalil Mack, just one of those – complete players out there and then of course you address the biggest need on the team which was the run defense you get two guys that are coming in immediately to answer that emphatically but the work is not done there are still other holes um, and there are still plenty of guys out there to fix those holes Um, the Chargers are a much better football team today than they were a couple of days ago but that doesn't mean they are a complete team by any means
0: no not at all and I mean in the At this point, you're looking at okay, how can we fill these positions in free agency? And then how can we fill these positions in the draft? Because the Chargers don't have a second round pick, which I'm 100% fine with. But how many starters can you realistically think that you're going to get out of the draft, even though you have 10 picks, right? Most of those are coming after the third round and beyond, right? Three compensatory picks in the seventh round, one compensatory pick that came out today in the sixth round, a lot of late picks, but you're not expecting to get starters at least immediately out of those positions. So, There's still some things that have to be addressed, and I think the biggest one is obviously right tackle because we saw how much Storm Norton struggled last year playing that position. I think that was something that really hurt the Chargers' offense, even though they were one of the best offenses in the league. And, I mean, they just tendered Storm Norton, so he is coming back. That doesn't mean a lot. His salary is under a million dollars. I think he still could be a cut candidate if the Chargers do bring in the right player. But last year, he gave up the second most pressures. In the NFL behind Liam, um, Liam Eikenberg, who was a rookie last year for the Dolphins, on um, probably the worst offensive line in the league. He was sandwiched by two Dolphins tackles. Him and Jesse James were the guys surrounding Storm Norton as far as the pressures allowed. And true pre- true pass sets, according to PFF, he gave up the most pressures in the league last year. Trey Pipkins did do pretty good, David, but obviously the Chargers should be looking elsewhere to bring in at least at the very least you know, solid veteran competition at that position. And there are a couple guys out there that could make sense.
1: Yeah, the the Chargers cannot sit idly by and and be content with Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins. I think you love what you saw out of Trey Pipkins in the limited snaps that you saw out of him. I mean, he was the best version of himself that we have ever seen by far. But what's to say he's going to be able to replicate that on a down-in and down-out basis? He hasn't shown that to us. So until we see that, you have to look at other options to feel confident or feel good that you're going to be able to protect – Justin Herbert's right side which was very much a vulnerability for the Chargers last year that's why Max Crosby went crazy on the right side mm. against Star Norton and abused him and abused Justin Herbert as a byproduct of that but if you're looking at free agency and looking at some options that could potentially help you at right tackle one of them for me is kind of an under the radar type of guy which who didn't really play right tackle last year. But if you look at his best years that he's played in the NFL, they came at right tackle. And I'm talking about Daryl Williams, who played guard last year. But like I said, you look at his best seasons in the NFL, they are at right tackle. When he has over 1,000 snaps, he did that in 2020, and he did that in 2017. He has only allowed four sacks, and he is his most complete self, at right tackle if you look at his pff grades as a run blocker and a pass blocker they are at their best when he's playing right tackle this is a guy who can come in right away who has experience who when playing at that position plays extremely well
0: i feel like we've talked about darrell williams as like an upgrade over Chargers offensive lineman like in many off seasons (laughs) it seems like that dude is always out there and he just got released by the Bills, so he's out there once again One of the guys I was looking at, I mean, honestly, maybe one of the best players out there is Trent Brown, which sounds crazy. Uh, I mean, just a massive behemoth of a man who's played his best football with the Patriots, which is always a little sketchy. But then again, so did JC Jackson. I mean, only played with the Patriots. So, I mean, the only thing about him, missed too many games. That's why I wouldn't be interested in him. The other guy that just got released by the Packers, Billy Turner, is a guy who I would be interested in. I mean, 30 years old, so a little older, but you're looking for, you know, Instant help there. You need a veteran there. You're not looking necessarily the right tackle of the future. You just need a guy who's going to get you by a year or two until you can groom the next guy there, right? Missed only two games in the three seasons prior to last year when he ended up missing four games. So he had three seasons before that of playing 14 games or more, which I like a lot. Obviously, you wish he didn't get hurt last year, but super solid tackle. 32 pressures allowed, 25th amongst tackles, and you have to think that's all tackles, right? Not just right tackles, left tackles. So that's above average as far as that goes. Three sacks allowed, which was actually tied for 13th amongst tackles, and he did miss some games, so that plays into it. But obvious, you know, upgrade over Storm Norton, who put up, you know, 60 pressures allowed last season. Half of that guy is a better player than Storm Norton is, and he is a guy that has, you know, is a proven commodity somewhat at this point. The other guy I would like add would be Cornelius Lucas, who's kind of like a tie naseki situation where he's been a backup for the Washington Commanders, But the last three years, he's ended up getting more than 500 snaps each season. So he has, you know, has some experience. He's still playing, even though he is a backup. And in all those seasons, he's been really, really solid. So he hasn't some extended playing time. The biggest thing is he probably only cost, according to PFF, two and a half million dollars per season. Anyone else you want to touch on before we get to the right guards and the other big hogs, David?
1: Yes, uh, there's one other guy on my list, and that is Riley Reef played right tackle for the Bengals last year. And I know you don't want to really g- grab too many offensive linemen from that group who uh, got him murdered again. Joe you know, Burrow. And, yeah. Yeah. Joe Burrow. Excuse me. He got Joe Burrow murdered again. But this is a guy who's only he's allowed five sacks or less in the last five seasons he's been in the NFL and he has position flexibility has played left tackle extensively and right, both left tackle and right tackle extensively in the NFL. So he has a lot of experience. He is a little older. He's 33 years old. But again, this is a stopgap type of player. You bring him in. You sign him to a one-year deal. You let him protect Justin Herbert on the right side, and you feel pretty comfortable about what you're going to get from Riley Reef.
0: And you still feel like it's an upgrade over Storm Norm. But it's not just right tackle, right? It's right guards and also right. linebackers. So we haven't talk about some right guards who are still out there. Maybe a familiar face comes back and fills that position for you. And we have to talk about the linebackers as well. But if they're trying to bring in an offensive lineman, I have a great idea for them. Offer them a lifetime supply of built Bars because that is just the best thing I think that you could do. A Bilt Bar is the best protein bar out there. But offensive linemen, I think, are very smart. They're smarter than they look. But some of them probably aren't. You know, maybe here, here's some candy bars. You have a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have some weight issues. You're feeding them candy bars. They're eating built Bars the whole time. They're having something with... Less than four grams of net carbs, less than four grams of net sugars in most bars, and 17 grams of protein. You just keep feeding them to them. And they're not going to believe they're not candy bars because you have flavors like Rocky Road, flavors like the Shamrock Built Bar covered in white chocolate, or you could go mint brownie, you know, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, some of my other all-time favorites as well. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I don't know anyone who couldn't get behind that. You want to have something that tastes like a cheat meal while having something that still fits on your diet? Built Bar is the way to go. My favorite protein bar out there. Hands down, you can even save some money since you listen to this podcast. You can save 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, David. Well, we're not done here, and neither are the Chargers. They need some work still. But if you guys want to make sure you're keeping up with everything going on around the league, make sure to check out the Lockdown NFL podcast because you're getting hosts from all the different teams and you're covering everything around the NFL. I listen to that so I can keep up because even though we're Chargers hosts, you know, we still have to kind of keep up with everything going on throughout the league. But the Chargers, we know what they need, right? They need a right tackle and they need a right guard because right now, David, it's Senio Kelemete, right now, you know, Matt Filer. In Brandon Hymas, and I just don't know, you know, especially last year with the Chargers unwillingness to play Brandon Hymas when Matt Filer was out and also after Ode Bushi went out. It's a little scary, right? Because they'd rather bring in Michael Schofield. So it's hard to know how to feel about that position. We know Senio Calmate should never be in a game again. I think he's actually probably a free agent now. But either way, the Chargers have a big need at that position.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, I think you commend uh, Michael Schofield for what he was able to provide you at right guard. A guy that, you know, is familiar who played right guard for the Chargers and right tackle at, at one point for the Chargers uh, earlier on in his career. He's a solid guy and you know, he's going to come in. You know, what you're going to get out of him. It's nothing flashy, but he comes in and gets his job done. A guy well, that he's I, a
0: free agent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice. You know, I, I, they could bring out another one of these guys in name Michael Schofield. I actually like the way Michael Schofield played.
1: Yeah, no, like I said, I have nothing nothing yeah. bad to say about him. Like, uh, he, he comes in. You hope to get an upgrade, and, though. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I think that upgrade might have been on the Chargers last year. And you got to hope that, you know, he's going to be able to come back off of the ACL injury. And, of course, I'm sure you figured it out by now, but I am talking about Odey Abushi. Odey played 296 snaps at right guard last year, did not allow a single sack, and only allowed – Five pressures also has position flexibility. He can play both guard spots pretty comparably less than 20 pressures allowed in five seasons. And has never allowed more than five sacks in his NFL career. And I feel like he really was hitting his stride, Daniel. He really looked comfortable, looked strong in that Chargers uh, offense on that Chargers offensive line. He's not gonna cost a lot of money because of that injury. Right. I still think he's an ascending player, though. I feel like the Chargers should give him another shot, um, because I really liked what I saw out of Odeabushi when he was out there playing for the Bolts.
0: Yeah, and I think he might be their best option because I think he's gonna be super affordable. He only made one point seven five million last season, so It's hard to imagine you'd make him, you know, much more than that going into this season, even though, you know, Chase Daniel somehow got a big pay bump. But with Odeyabushi, I mean, you would expect him to come around somewhere around the same price, and you're probably getting a starting level player for $2 million. It's tough with Odeyabushi because he's only played in 15 or more games twice in two of his seasons, right? But it hasn't all been from injuries. I mean, he's bounced around the league. It took him a long time to catch on. He really didn't catch on as like a full-time starter until he made it to the Lions and played pretty much every game for them or every game for them in the 2020 season. So I think that is something that's a little, you know, sketchy because obviously you like the five games you saw from him, but it's only five games. I still think he's probably the best option. If they want to go outside of that, maybe it's Andrew Norwell, right, from the Jaguars, who's up there 30-plus, but still playing at a very high level. Only 24 pressures allowed, three sacks allowed last year. The one number that did a little bit, you know, kind of set it off an alarm was eight penalties. Don't love that. But the Jaguars also signed Brandon Sheriff, too, right? So yeah. this guy played in 13 or more games in six of the last eight seasons, so he's been pretty durable. The other games were like nine games and 11 games, so it wasn't like he was missing the whole season. But the contract is, is projected at least three years, $21.75 million, $7 million plus per season. So I don't know if that's realistic, but he would obviously be an
1: upgrade. He would be an upgrade for sure. I think that's a a bit rich, um, you know, especially considering the Chargers cap situation at present, but we'll get into that a a little bit Well, Morgan Moses,
0: I mean, just, you know, obviously a different position, a right tackle, but like he made three years, 15 million. So, I mean, maybe it could be something closer to that. I think most of the guard contracts have been somewhere between five and 7 million per season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably a, a little bit more realistic here. But yeah, I mean, as far as Andrew Norwell, Really strong as a pass protector. I think he, he excels in that realm. He has uh, had a 73.5 pass blocking grade or higher in every single season of his NFL career and has eight seasons of three sacks or less. So he's rock solid as a pass protector. He's adequate as a run blocker, but that is not the best part of his game. Um, but I feel like, you know, this is a guy you can plug in to the Chargers offensive line and feel very good about it. I mean, he's not going to, ex- I don't think he's going to be a, like a road grader against the run, but he is going to be very, very good as a pass blocker.
0: Totally. I mean, and, and like I said, you, you, I think if you're looking for best fit, best value, I still think it's Odea Bushi. You know, yeah. he fits in the scheme. You know, he's going to come at a low price. And I just think that's too valuable of a an option to pass up if you're the Chargers. I expect, hopefully... That, you know, that move would happen in the next couple of days, you would think, right? But yeah. probably a very lower-end kind of signing as far as money, so it could be a little while, I would assume. Now, David, it's linebacker time because we know that the best Chargers linebacker from 2021 is in free agency, and that's Kazir Wayne. We haven't yeah. seen anything about him. I mean, me and you were talking about earlier. I haven't seen a single Chargers player that was on the Chargers in 2021 sign with another team. Not one. That shows you kind of where the rest of the week kind of falls on a lot of these guys who are free agents. But besides Kazir White-David, who I still think might be the best option for the Chargers, Bobby Wagner's out there, and that's an impossible name to avoid, especially with what that dude has done in his career and the lack of times he's been able to hit free agency even at his age.
1: Yeah, Bobby Wagner is crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I think uh, all you need to do is go back and look at this guy's stats, and you'll realize that he has been a machine since he has entered the NFL. Of course. I mean. And even last year, 170 tackles last year. That is ridiculous. That, that man, like I said, is a cyborg. But here, 130-plus tackles in six straight seasons. This guy is an animal. He is a. And it also shows machine. you durability
0: too, right? Yes. I mean, if you're getting that many tackles and that many he straight posts,
1: seasons. absolutely, he right. answers the bell. The one big thing that was a giant red flag to me, though, is 14 missed tackles last year. That is definitely a concern, and you know, as he continues on in his career, that is something that is probably not going to get much better. I think it's probably only going to regress, but. He's just a very solid all the round player. 71.8 overall grade, 76.7 against the run, 70 as a pass rusher, 62.8. I mean, just all the numbers, just super solid from Bobby Wagner. You can't look around the rest of the options that are out there at linebacker and come away with any other answer, but Bobby Wagner is the best of the rest.
0: Yeah, I mean, and he's still playing at a super high level. I mean, I do think that, yeah, he's probably not going to get a lot better, and missed tackles might be, you know, losing half a step. So you're not in the position you are, you know, usually in to make a good tackle. But I mean, with as many tackle attempts as he has, that's actually probably not as egregious as it seems. Yeah. And I think it, you know, you could see that kind of come a little bit down. I wouldn't surprise me if he missed less than 14 tackles next season, but. I think Kazir White, though, makes more sense just because you know he's a fit in the system. He really started hitting his stride. It just doesn't seem like the Chargers want to bring him back. And I think it started in that last game when they decided to, you know, put Kenneth Murray in, in a situation that Kazir White was, I think, much more well equipped for, right? So yeah. that's the frustrating part. His projected contract is two years, 12 million, 6 million per average. Maybe if he doesn't get what he wants, you know, the next few days, maybe they circle back around and kind of realize that and get him at a better price. Because obviously nobody's chomping at the bit for this dude yet. Under-the-radar guy I would bring up is Alexander Johnson, a guy who got a late start to his career, didn't play his first season until he was 27, but has played really well for the Broncos the last three seasons. Steal somebody from your division rival. They just brought back Josie Jewell. This is a guy that played three seasons with Vic Fangio as his head coach. You know he has a fit in the Chargers' defense. More of a run-stuffer for sure, but I don't know if the Chargers have that dude on the roster who's a pure run-stuffer at this point. Might be a little bit out of their price range, but a guy with brain and staley ties who missed a few games last season, but has been an elite run stopper the last few seasons and even had, you know, pro football focus, had him graded as a top three linebacker in two of the last three seasons. So a guy that definitely would make some sense there, just have to come down to what the price range is and how comfortable you are with him staying healthy because Kazirwai has been pretty durable outside of the big injury he suffered early on in his career. But The Chargers need some space for all that, right? Like, you need some money if you're going to go sign these guys because the Chargers don't have a ton of cap space right now. But they did make a move to release Brian Bulaga, a move we knew would happen, to really, you know, free up $10.75 million. So we're going to talk about next what the Chargers salary cap is looking like at this point headed into day two of free agency and also talk about the Chargers bringing bringing back backup Chase Daniel into the fold. All right, David. Well, the biggest move of free agency was obviously Chase Daniel coming back to the Chargers as their backup, and you know somehow doubling his pay from 2021. But a move that we expected to happen and really knew was going to happen happened on Tuesday when Brian Bulaga, the Chargers' right tackle that was supposed to fix help fix the offensive line, uh, was released by the team, and he carried a 14 million dollar cap hit this season. Right? And the Chargers are going to take on about three million dollars in dead cap with this move. But more importantly, they're gonna free up 10.75 million dollars in space because of releasing him. And it just sucks, David, because I mean he was the guy that made a lot of sense. He had his checkered injury history, but he was able to gut it out most seasons, play 10 plus games, you know, play much more than he did with the Chargers. He missed 16 games last season. The year before that, he missed six. He missed 16 games over a two-year span. And there's just no way you could wrap all of that up. You know, like you, there's no way you could justify bring him back at 14 million dollars even though we just talked about in the first segment how big the need is at right tackle.
1: Yeah, it's it's an obvious glaring hole there, but unfortunately Brian Bulaga is not the answer. Uh, I think, you know, he was a solid option when, you know, the Chargers brought him in. I think we all celebrated the move because we saw the potential that he had and we saw the play that he was able to put out there beforehand. Yeah. Unfortunately, we did not. And he not played see well
0: it. when he could play. When he did play with the Chargers, he still played at a, a pretty high level, right? It's just you only got 10 games of it, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing I was going to say is you, you didn't really get to see that manifest out there in the football field enough to warrant keeping him. So this was always a move that was a foregone conclusion. We see it come to fruition and the chargers needed it; they had to, I mean, especially after the, the two defensive linemen that they signed, it just seemed like the writing was very, very much written on the wall in permanent marker. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think with Brian Bulaga, it's tough because you do see some tackles playing well into their 30s, right? I mean, look at Andrew Whitworth, who just retired, right? Playing at an extremely high level. You can age well at that position. I mean, Dwayne Brown's still out there, right? I mean, there's a lot of dudes who are still out there that are getting up there, you know, that are still playing at a really high level. So it made sense at the time to think, you know, maybe he could bounce back, blah, blah, blah. But either way, I mean, even the 10 games he did play, like, he left several of those early too, right? Where he he left. Yeah, in the it was beginning about fifty percent of the
1: snaps, if I remember correctly.
0: Right. I mean, and that's yeah, exactly. So it's more like playing half the season. But it just for him. I mean, it just never worked out, even though the pick, you know, made a lot of sense at the time. But that was the thing last year that made us so frustrated was just the Chargers going into the season with a guy who missed as much time as he did, yeah. not having a better backup plan than Storm Norton. We knew it well before. He ended up getting hurt in that first game. We we're like, hey, hey, you can't trust this guy to stay healthy as much yeah. as he's a great player. But, David, the Chargers obviously spent a lot of their salary cap, right? They came in with this much. Now it's it's getting a lot smaller because they signed J.C. Jackson. They signed Sebastian Joseph Day. Khalil Mack took up a big chunk of that with a $17-plus you know, million dollar cap in year one. And you also got Austin Johnson, too. You got big players of need. You made your defense way, way better. Oh, with yeah. the guys, I mean, your overall talent defensively is just—it's not even in the same stratosphere, you know, as what the Chargers had in 2020, and that's a defense that already had or 2021 and that was with Joey Bosa and Derwin James. Right, still couldn't sniff what the Chargers have right now at that position. But Daniel Popper from the Athletic came out with what he believes the Chargers' spending space is at this point in free agency, because I do think we'll see some moves today as the you know the things kind of settle in, and maybe if some of these quarterbacks move because it seems like a lot of things are waiting on you know the Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo of it all but Daniel Popper has the Chargers at 6.83 million left in cap space, a spending space after all the moves so far factoring in what they have to pay the rookies still which is like 6.6 million in estimating the first year cap hits of Daniel Joseph Day and Johnson the guys that they've brought in so far that we don't have all the you know all the contract details on right now. It doesn't seem like a lot David, you know. Really it, it is tough because like the the easy move would be to restructure right I mean there's a lot of dudes that you can restructure their contract you can restructure Khalil Mack first of all just because he doesn't have any guaranteed money in those last two years so it's like you don't mind guaranteeing him some money in next season because you're assuming he's still going to be on your team next season you know yeah. so that doesn't really you know change very much but we also don't usually see the Chargers do that they, they usually go you know as hard as they can to not have to restructure contracts.
1: Yeah, I and mean, I mean, they don't right, but there are two contracts that are are screaming out to you that you know they could definitely restructure and, and get some extra cap from. One of them is Joey Bosa's contract too. I think he has a twenty eight million dollar cap hit here uh, going on this season. That's definitely something I feel like you know if they wanted to restructure that deal, that would wouldn't take very much to do. And and also Keenan Allen is the second name who also has I think a nineteen million dollar cap hit here. Um, in 2022, so though both of those contracts, um, if the chargers were wanting to make more moves and add more pieces, you know, of, of any kind of significance, they, they're going to have to restructure. I mean, they have maybe room for one or two moves without restructuring, and of course, that depends on how much in season money they're wanting to keep for moves, they might keep less you know, money in the season so they can make more signings here in free agency. I do expect them to make a couple of other moves, but I don't think they're going to see anything the size of the contracts that we saw on the first day.
0: Well, the tough thing is, is like even not counting the rookies, right? Like you still have to fill a bunch of positions. Like you're yeah. still going to have to bring in another body at tight end. You have to bring in another body at right tackle, right guard, all these positions. Like even if those guys sign for 1 million per, like, there's still their backups and guys after that, you still have to sign, you know? So like there, it seems like they have to restructure just to kind of fill out the roster Yeah. at this point. But I mean, Tom Tlesk never restructures. And the thing is what you're doing in this situation, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword, right? But both edges are bad because if you, Doing that this season, right? One thing they've done is really front load these contracts yeah. this year to give themselves maximum cap, you know, flexibility. You have JC Jackson at 16.5 AAV, only having an eight million dollar cap hit Which in year one, right? It is, but what that means though is those contracts are gonna balloon going yeah. forward in those contracts, right? And those cap hits are gonna keep going up and up, and you're putting all of that stuff towards other years when you're restructuring a contract. You're just moving that money into other years of salary cap. You're making it a, a salary cap hit on different seasons. You get to spread it out over a few seasons, but you're going to have to pay the piper at some point. So sure. it is a dangerous game, but I think the Chargers obviously have to do it because the salary cap is going to keep going up. It's going to yeah. keep booming. You'll be able to figure out a lot of that later on, and that doesn't mean you have to get yourself in the situation like the New Orleans Saints you know, or the Los Angeles Rams where you have to make major, major moves. To get under the cap or major restructures to keep kicking that can down the road. But if you do it with a couple contracts, I really don't think it's that detrimental. And you can tell because every single team in the league is doing it right now. But the other big signing, David, the huge signing so far this year, Chase Daniel back as the Chargers backup quarterback, mentoring Justin Herbert last season. I think the biggest thing to me is, first of all, you got, you know, an extra million dollars, pretty or yeah, more than a million dollars more last year. He signed for one point zero seven five in twenty twenty one. This year he's signing for two point two five million, and he didn't play in any games last year, so he must be bringing some very valuable leadership to the table. Oh I like goodness. Chase Daniel. I love what I see from you know on social media. Obviously, seems like a team guy, knows Joe Lombardi's system, blah blah blah. But I mean, that dude is great at collecting checks.
1: I mean, it's almost he's almost as good as Charlie Whitehurst was, right? You know, I mean, the original clipboard Jesus. That yeah. dude got paid, and I mean, paid majorly for not doing anything like that's why he was called clipboard Jesus because he held the clipboard on the sideline doing nothing right. this is another thing where I think the only thing about the situation to me is that they better not have three quarterbacks on the roster next year I, I mean I'm sorry I, I the the Eastern stick experiment that has to end um, if they're going to bring back Chase Daniel for another year this cannot be another season with three quarterbacks. I, I can't see it. I, if I see it, I am going to go crazy.
0: I mean, the tough thing with Easton Stick, obviously, is that his money's guaranteed. So, like, you're not getting that money back if you release him. And it's not a big hit. And he's like a million dollars, something along those lines. So, the nice thing is, though, is it's like, I mean, you can still slip him onto the practice squad. He's not a, you know, highly valued commodity, even with all the quarterback turmoil going on throughout the league. Nobody's clamoring for Easton Stick. You can sneak him on there, but there's no need in today's NFL to have three quarterbacks, especially when you think about the fact that the one thing that could change this potentially, David, is the, char- or the NFL not doing any COVID policies in 2022. They have gotten rid of all their COVID policies. You're not going to have a situation where your quarterback gets COVID and then, you know, there's close contacts in the room. So now all of a sudden you're the Broncos starting Kendall Hinton, who's a wide receiver at quarterback going like one for nine, right? So like – yeah. I think with COVID, teams definitely were, you know, being more cautious with it. I have to hope because, I mean, there's just no roster benefit unless you're going to have this dude, you know, out there covering punts or something like that. You know, there's no reason to keep him on the roster because, you know, I mean, almost every game he was a healthy scratch anyways. You know what I mean? So, like, he he didn't get into any game of a roster spot. And just, just, yeah, it is 100% a waste of a roster spot to have three at this point, especially when number one is Justin Herbert, who's exactly. a tank of a human being. Um, And hopefully we'll never need. out. Well, another thing is, it's like Justin Herbert goes out. It's not like Chase Daniel or Easton Stick is saving your season, right? Like no. maybe for a game or two, Chase Daniel, if the Chargers continue to build this roster up, can win you a couple games or keep you afloat kind of thing. But you have Justin Herbert. You don't need to worry too much. About the back of quarterback, and you especially don't need to worry too much about the third string quarterback. But thank you guys for checking the show out today. The great news is free agency literally is only two days in. This is day three right now. So we'll be back with you guys maybe tonight if some crazy stuff goes down, but if not tomorrow with all of the latest news through free agency and everything the Chargers are doing. But until then, make sure to go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel. If you're on here right now, make sure to click that subscribe button and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on all the big ones, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, all of those things, and rate and review if you like the show as well. We appreciate that. If you guys want to get our instant reactions as these moves are going down, make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. I'll be tweeting about things, even if I'm on the clock at my day job. I don't care. And then you can also find David Chugum on Twitter at DrotalkSD. I can say he would do the same thing for you as well. But that's to get our instant reactions. You can also see him at LockedOnLAC on Twitter, where we retweet all of our posts and post every show to all of those accounts every day including our at On Chargers Instagram page and our On Chargers Facebook page. If you guys want to get your voices on the show and ask us a question, make sure to keep it to 30, 45 seconds and call to 323-524-7924. I've loved hearing you guys' reactions so far. Keep the calls coming and we'll have definitely some fan stuff for you guys soon. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow with the latest in free agency. Hopefully we see the Chargers take a couple more swings today. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts!